It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 46 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, May 18th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Ashley from the Black Truck team. Welcome, Ashley. Hello, Jason. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Cheers. Cheers. It's just us. <laughs> it happens to be, you know, summertime, and I think I'm reminded in West Michigan that, like, nobody, I feel like nobody works on Fridays. Driving around at, at like just before lunchtime today between a couple things. I was yeah. like, does anybody work? Yeah. Like greenhouses, flower shows, like everything's home improvement stores are packed with people except for us. We're here. We're here recording the Redirect <laughs> podcast. So, all right. Um, so a couple topics that we're going to talk about today. One, one real major that, uh, actually I think we're going to, we're going to dive right into and, and talk about because it is kind of a... It's a little bit of a, I don't want to say it's a low blow from Google, but um, so for, uh, I would say going back to almost two years now, Google has talked about a longer snippet being shown. This is not a featured snippet, a longer snippet in the SERPs. So in the search engine results pages, um, in the listing. So let's say you have position one, two, four, five, whatever. You've got your, your main page title that shows up, which is the bolded text right below that typically is your meta page description, uh, or what, uh, what we'll refer to here as meta descriptions or descriptions. And, uh, somewhere 20, 2016, I believe it was, um, we saw uh, an opportunity as SEOs to be able to increase the length there. Uh, Google was taunting was showing longer than what we normally would have done, which was about 155 to 160 characters mm-hmm. in length, which was the previous range, um, inching that up into over 300 characters. So a lot more real estate to take up there. Uh, the optimal length that we had found amongst many other SEOs was sticking within about 300 to 320 mm-hmm. characters in length, mm-hmm. which some pages that can get a little wordy when maybe there aren't 300 words on the damn page itself. <laughs> so the page description becomes much more descriptive uh, than the actual page. But um, what what at least a tactic that a lot of SEOs were doing, and we certainly have tested this and it, and it does, it does, uh, it can work, um, is you're able to improve the click-through rate. So the engagement through the SERP from, uh, from search to the page, um, because you're able to tell a better story, you're able to draw a stronger call to action to mm-hmm. what's happening there. An approach that a lot of people have taken is like those core brand pages. So it's like your core, um, well, your homepage, your about page, or maybe it's a main product category page or a main services page, you know, going in and editing those descriptions that are your like top valued pages mm-hmm. or testing the ones that you want to improve the click-through rate on. So that, that shift significantly throttled up and pushed forward back in December when they started to show these snippets over 300 characters. You know, it, the, the unfortunate thing that has happened, it's partially been confirmed on, 
uh, Twitter by Danny Sullivan, who's now at Google, that they are rolling back that change and we are reverting back to possibly reverting back to Mm -hmm. 155 to 160 characters. And so there's a couple of really great articles, industry articles from trusted sources that we like that we'll share. Uh, Dr. Pete from Moz wrote a really great, uh, in usual Dr. Pete format, long, <laughs> in-depth um, analysis approach to, to what, what this could mean um, in the constant changing world of, of Google and meta, mm. uh, meta page descriptions. And then actually, um, um, Jennifer Slag did a good job yeah. on this. She has a whole guide, uh, also produced on May 14th. She came out, her, hers is entitled Google reduces descriptions, length and desktop. Um, and then she also had another one that came out a day after that Google, you know, why Google won't give a specific, um, <laughs> description length. So there's a lot of speculation about why would they roll this back? Um, we've proceeded with it. A lot of people have moved forward with this approach. So Ashley, let's talk a little bit more about like, why did we do it? Why, why should SEOs revert back? Mm. Should you revert back Mm -hmm. or should you just kind of proceed with caution and, and monitor what's your, like, what's your, your take on it? I mean, you knew typically we don't know what we're going to talk about on the redirect. Mm -hmm. It's very much shotgun approach, but in this case, I think this is a big enough thing to discuss. I told you earlier in the day what, what I was going to be talking about. So, yeah. In fact, we have a blog post that we'll have to go back and update (laughs) on this very topic. Um, so we'll be working on that. You know, I saw that Danny Sullivan from Google pointed out in response to somebody's angry tweet about this, update is, um, you know, we never recommended that you change your page descriptions when we announced that these snippets were lengthened. This is true. This is true. In fact, I significantly specifically remember reading in all the articles, you know, Google says, you know, they do not specifically in so many words, they do not recommend going and updating. Yeah, all they never, they never once, they never yep. once came out and said, "This is the direction we are for sure going," right. and and you should, you should proceed in right. that in that fashion, right? And our approach was definitely we weren't going to go back to to update all those pages that we've been working on for clients, and uh, except in up when we had the opportunities to test for, like you said, those pages mm-hmm. that might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, something more geared toward a call to action. So, um, and then any newer sites, you know, that we would be working on, we would, you know, test writing some longer descriptions. Um, my response to this is I am going to stick with about a 300 character, um, description and kind of wait it out and see what happens and just try to front load that description with, keywords that are relevant to what the page is targeting in hopes that that's what's going to show up either way, no matter what Google decides to do. Yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. You know, um, what, what Dr. Pete runs through and Moz's data shows is that, you know, they're, they were looking at, um, basically what's showing up in the SERPs, um, and looking at the length of the snippet and their average back in December, looks very different than what they're, what they're seeing mm. now. Right. So the, the average back in December, um, 
there's a, there's a few of the snippets that cut off after the 300 range, but what they see now is clearly what Dr. Pete in his own words says clearly clustered in the 150 to 175 mm. range, which goes back to our original approach, which was 155, mm-hmm. 160 mm-hmm. Um, before Google truncated it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think one thing that we have talked about is that there's, there's a lot that's happening. Um, there's a lot that's happening as Pete points out in that 125 to 175 range. So he dug even deeper to say, let's look at a deep dive analysis to see what those peaks are. And it is, the majority of it is 160, right? It's totally going back to air quotes, you know, old school ways, uh, or to, you know, way, way back machine. Um, so, uh, some different viable options that Pete talks about, we'll talk about the ones that Jennifer Slag talks about too, because these are very much in line with what we've had discussions about internally is, um, you know, option number one, you know, so in course of what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. Option number one, let Google handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to his point, some sites don't have meta descriptions like Wikipedia, it's just pulling. It's just oh, pulling sure. data in, but what Wikipedia is going to know, or um, Google is going to know that, and they're going to pull in relevant, relevant information. Um, let it fall where it may, as Pete mm. points out. So you can just write the length you think is ideal for a given page, and if it gets cut off, don't worry about it. Um, and then uh, chop everything in 155 characters. So go go back. <laughs> Um, or what he said, right length adaptive descriptions. And that is actually more or less the approach. I mean, I think maybe this is full disclosure then. When we went into this Mm -hmm. initially, we went into it with get the meat of the information up front, Mm -hmm. knowing that it may or may not display in 300 or 320 mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. So we, we we more or less front-loaded our strategy to say, well, we're going to get the bulk of what we want in those first couple of sentences like we would have anyways. Yep. Would you say that that is still a, a – do you think that's still a viable yep. approach? Yeah, that's, that's what I would mm-hmm. recommend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, that first recommendation – that you read was um, let Google handle it. And I think we can perhaps probably discuss the fact that I've been noticing, and I've seen a lot of buzz in the industry lately too, that way more often than not, Google is scraping the content on the page Mm -hmm. for meta descriptions to match the query, to match the search intent. Very much agree with that. And so in in some sense, I've even been questioning lately how much, how much time to even spend worrying about these descriptions. Well, when, so, I mean, they do have they do have the opportunity to impact click through rate for sure. Yeah, and, and and I think you still need to take ownership of that. I get where you I get what you're saying. My argument with that is because we ran into this exact situation with a couple clients recently. And I think it's a it's a good until you're in that position and you see what's happening, you see what Google is doing and the power right. that they have to say. Right. In this case, we had a client of a high profile international brand who had a meta page description on that page 
Google completely ignores it and yeah. says no. Right. They scrape the site content anyways and display whatever the hell they want to. Mind you, at over 300 characters. It was not a featured snippet. It was just a regular snippet that you would find in SERPs. They completely ignored the description altogether mm-hmm. and pulled in what they wanted to because that was relevant, totally to your point, relevant to the searcher, relevant, more relevant to the page, actually provided mm-hmm. details about what that page was, what the product or service was. It, it was much, much more helpful to, to the end user. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do your meta page descriptions anyways, you need to be thinking like your user. You need to be taking that into account, not, not, you know, (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. Here you go. (laughs) It's true. So that goes back to these descriptions really should be a description, a summary of the page and what, your main purpose for that page is and, uh, yeah. and what the function of that page is. Because if there's a chance that Google is going to scrape content off the site anyway, and the idea of coding a meta description in there is to try to have some control over what is shown there, then you need to make sure that it's going to line up with whatever yeah. Google might end up scraping. I, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And, and, and I think there are, there's a lot of SEOs that are, that are, you know, unhappy is putting it politely. Mm-hmm. If you follow anything on 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 Twitter in the industry, uh, and are dialed into certain channels, you'll definitely see a lot of upset people uh, who are taking it out on on certain industry individuals. But you know, remember that in Google's defense, really, they never did make any kind of recommendation on the length change. It it absolutely was a big opportunity and and no different than any other thing in the SEO space, which is why SEO is absolutely not dead. It is a volatile thing and it's not easy Mm -hmm. because it's constantly changing. You know, it is a constant stream of information. Google is always changing things. And, and that was an opportunity to take advantage of some extra space within within the SERPs and and especially, you know, that change potentially came out two years ago. So you rode the wave for two years and oh all of a sudden now have to revert back to maybe some old ways or do some additional editing. Are you gonna throw your hands in the air and get pissed or are you going to adapt and, and change and move forward? You know? Um would we go and jump out and, and make immediate changes to those tags? No, I, I don't think so. Similarly, systematically, you're going to go through and update the length of them and see if that improves the click-through rate. See if you're getting, if it's devalued, if you're losing click-through rate. Um, some of the complaints, some of the stuff I read that had come out on on whether or not those snippets were too long for voice search, for the feedback, for the mm. readback. Um, meaning, you know, if a, a mobile a mobile user is very quick. And so if I ask Google a question, I expect an answer back quickly. Yeah. And if you're going beyond a normal featured snippet length, then, which I don't really think they were, but if you were, that was taking Google a lot longer to respond. Yeah. So yeah. I could get that a little bit. Interesting. A little bit. So, um, yeah, so they're, they're basically the, the biggest update that's come lately is that... They're going to continue to say there's no length. 
length is, is very much based on what they say the search algorithm is going to deem useful. Back to your original point, Google is going to Google's going to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. but you still have to, you still need to put the time in there mm-hmm. and to try and take ownership yep. to, uh, to, to see where, where things are going to go. So I, I definitely think that there's going to be a case where if Google sees value in showing a 300 character snippet, they're going to show it. If they don't see value and they cut it off at 160, they're going to cut it off at 160. Mm-hmm. So I think be dynamic, adapt, right for both. As always, test and and move forward. So um, that's and we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> let's uh, let's do some testing on this end, and maybe we'll maybe we can come up with some of our own our our own information to be able to share too. And yeah. obviously, if, if anybody who's listening to the podcast has information they want to share, we'd love to uh, we'd love to hear that and, and be a part of that too. So, all right, what else do you have? Okay. Well, I am always looking out for information on reviews. It's just an area of interest for me. And so today I saw something on Search Engine Land from Joy Hawkins on the Better Business Bureau's ratings system. Um, And it stuck out to me because I've been recently... Um, working on a lot with local search for some Mm -hmm. of our clients and I just added a better business bureau badge on one of our clients websites Mm -hmm. and so I was like oh what is this and it's something that I noticed myself as I was looking at better business bureaus site recently is that the rating system doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense is it based on how much you pay them? No, apparently okay. not. Okay. You, you you might think that, but apparently not. Joy, Joy had noted that in her article here. Um, and it, this actually, this article came out of her own experience. She had actually hired a, a pool company in her area to fix something that was going wrong with her pool. And um, they actually were kind of terrible. And mm. she second-guessed why she hired them because, obviously, as someone who works in local search and is working with reviews all the time, she's going to be paying attention to reviews. Yeah. Probably read through the lines a little bit, or you would think she yeah. would be able to. So she was looking at the, the Better Business Bureau's website um, page for this business, and they had a great rating, even though they only had three reviews on the BBB site, and they were all negative. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it turns out that the, the BBB's rating system is uh, a composite system. Actually, 67% of the rating is based on the BBB's evaluation of the business. And their evaluation is based on a variety of factors such as like past complaint history, how promptly the company responds to complaints, the company's truthfulness in advertising, if they are appropriately licensed, and some other factors that are listed on the website. Mm. Um and apparently the customer reviews are um, – so the, the reviews are included on the business's profile if they're left through the, the BBB. Um, but these reviews are not factored into the letter grade rating for the business. So the letter grade rating of the business on Better Business Bureau is based off of – The BBB's own rating their system. Own, their own rating system. Mm-hmm. However, what happens if someone reports them? Yeah, I unfortunately don't know the super nitty-gritty details here, 
but there's a composite score. So there's the BVB's rating system. Um, so for this um, screenshot that she has here, um, this particular business had an A-plus rating through the BVB. Customer review rating of 100%, even though all of the reviews were negative, and maybe it's maybe it's it's confusing because it's 100%, but it's red, like the negative reviews are red. Oh wow! Yeah, wow, that's it's terrible. Yeah, and then there's a composite score of 3.7 average, uh, which apparently takes into account somehow the. The users. Yeah, because just like like it says right there, uh, in this case, this this pool and hot tub companies received 3.68 out of five stars based on three customer reviews and a BBB rating of A minus. So A plus. A, a plus. Oh, A plus. Jeez, I can't even read that far. <laughs> I gotta get my old man glasses on. But but to your point, they're they're taking some. They have some sort of rating scale algorithm, if you will, that's saying, well, let's take the they have good customer ratings or they have or they have poor customer ratings mm-hmm. but match that with their good business mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. is coming out ahead yeah and i think the the a plus is much more prominent on the page here um if if i didn't know any better i would just be looking at that totally um and the bbb is a trusted third party source of this kind of information um but I, th- I think even in t- today's world, people are becoming much more interested in e- actual consumer reviews. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the way that the page is set up here, it's placing much more weight on the BBB's um, rating. And I, I, I don't know. Who trusts? It's, it's I wonder. Of, I would be curious to do a, a poll of people that trust the Better Business Bureau. Like, is that really authoritative source anymore? Yeah. Um, and you're right. I, I do also think that people want to, um, legitimately, they want to see reviews. Um, I polled a bunch of students this week. I got to speak at a class at Grand Valley. And I've been using that as a sounding board to ask them questions specifically about, I'm very curious about a younger population, younger generation and their, um, their interaction with voice search and their mobile devices and how many of them are consuming content on mobile. So we'll do a little informal polls, if you will. It's very, uh, it's a very scientific approach <laughs> to, to, uh, to research. But um, what's interesting is that every single class that I've spoken to in the last um, three semesters that they've had me come into is everybody said, yeah, well I use it. I use, you know, they're using Google assistant or they're using Amazon Alexa and I'll, and then I'll press them specifically on what are you using it for? Most of the time, you know, um, Google assistant is not Google search. Mm, It's very mm -hmm. much call Ashley or do this or do Mm, that. Make a note. Yeah. Very rarely is it find me this, find me that. Mm -hmm. Then the other side of it was the Alexa side, on and and I pressed the shopping. I said, "Well, but did you order anything?" And every one of them was like, "Oh hell no!" I'm like, "Well, why? Well, why not?" Mm-hmm. And because they all want to see it, they want to see the reviews, they want to read the reviews, they want to know what's going on. So the reviews are extremely mm-hmm. powerful. They can have a huge swing, positively or negatively, on. 
a brand product Mm -hmm. because that's somebody's experience. Obviously, you need to read those reviews to understand whether or not we've talked about it before was the product used for its intended purpose or not. But so I would be curious what audience is looking at Better Business Bureau reviews. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it swung toward an older audience for sure, because I, you know, Mm -hmm. before the internet was a thing, it was, you know, the BBB, you could trust the BBB. Um, and of course, you know, the Bureau does have their way of mediating customer complaints, which Mm -hmm. is great. So they do have that experience of knowing how the business handles complaints. Um, but Joy posed a great question in this article. Whose opinion is more valid, someone who has actually hired the company or a third-party review site? So I just thought this was kind of a interesting little snapshot in the local mm. ecosystem because, uh, you know, the BBB is seen as, a, as an authoritative site but you can if you're not reading between the lines on these ratings you can really did be confused did so. she go into depth about um and i know i know white spark um has talked about things like this in the in the past um moz has a little bit to the local search ecosystem how much does the bbb play in local search rankings or local search influence i don't think it has i don't i have from my knowledge and experience and uh, items we've worked on, it doesn't it doesn't really have as much influence as, as some people think. Yeah, it's like a credibility thing, right? Yeah, there's nothing very in depth about that. I think Thank depending you. on your industry or your area, Angie's List might have more mm-hmm. influence on local search than mm-hmm. the Better Business Bureau. Yeah. Um, Joy noted that she she's found them to be one of the more reliable sources of local business data on the internet. So, um, hmm. and I guess because it does have this third party element too, so there's some kind of confirmation on there. You know, like Google, the Better Business Bureau doesn't accept listings that list virtual offices or PO boxes mm. and aims to represent the real world. So there's definitely it lends that level of credibility Mm -hmm. because of that third party involvement and confirmation. Interesting. Yeah. Any recommendations on that? Keep an eye out on your better business bureau. I I would definitely say that. Um, and, um, I mean, her takeaway at the end of this was, you know, as a consumer, do a better job researching. Oh, agreed. <laughs> um, dig further into, into the details instead of trusting the average rating. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I guess as, as a company, um, yeah, pay attention to the Better Business Bureau profile for your business. And, um, I mean, whether or not consumers do see it as, you know, the ultimate credibility resource when it comes to business. I mean, people are still going to be looking at it. So you want to make sure you're paying attention to what's happening there. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. That's really good though. It's kind of a pull the, pull the wool back a little bit and, and take a look. And I think there are a bunch of other local services that are much like that too, Mm -hmm. where it, it sways a little bit more in the favor of their data versus what people's actual experiences are I'd be curious to know how this yeah. how this company fared on Google versus I, BBB yeah I am also I guess actually the BBB 
star system rating system actually does pull into the Google SERPs too. Um, so you see the stars mm. in the search results, mm. which is interesting. But um, I guess I would even say as a business, maybe be careful about touting your BBB rating because if, oh, come back, if someone yeah. does read between the lines, that could really come back to bite you if they're like, wait, how do you have an A-plus rating system? And that is one of those that you can pull into your AdWords. And while it might be... Um, you know, it might be nice to try and pull that in. Mm. Um, it, it, it might come back to bite you. Um, their, their Google, this, this company's, um, Google reviews are, are pretty reasonable. I would say they are, you know, on their four star, which is great. Um, really positive. So, it would be interesting to know what those bad reviews are in the Better Business Bureau. And does the Better Business Bureau, I think this is another one for site owners and brands to understand too, is that the Better Business Bureau probably up to date does not have a way to handle like disgruntled employees and things like that. Mm. Because what we don't know that, now I have not read that, that Joy produced, but what we don't know is whether or not those reviews that were negative on Better Business Bureau were from consumers or were they from disgruntled employees that that review was able to slip through? Hmm. That's a good point. You know, I would hope that as being a bureau looking out for the consumer that they would have some kind of a filtering. I mean, genuinely, but, I like to think the good in yeah. people, but, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, uh, it doesn't happen, but interesting, interesting. Yeah. So. Man, always, uh, you know, every week when everybody sits down and we, we go to record the redirect, I'm always, uh, I'm always amazed at the constant shift in, in movement in uh, the search world and, and really the digital marketing space in general. Mm-hmm. You know, Adrian shared information last week on, on some social topics as well. And um, it's, this is a constantly uh, living, breathing entity, as I like to say, and, and the target is moving. Mm-hmm. So you need to be updating your site. You need to, uh, keep these things at somewhat of the forefront, uh, in your planning and strategy and how you're going to, how you're going to deal with it as always, you know, similar, similar to uh, what we said before, you know, this, this meta page description change, don't freak out. That's mm-hmm. very much our mantra here. Yeah. Um, kind of pump the brakes a little bit, watch, see what's going to happen. And, uh, and, and proceed from there. So uh, we certainly are going to do some testing. Uh, we encourage you to do some testing as well as, as the rest of the industry is going to, too. There's going to be people that are going to completely <laughs> cut bait, revert back to 155 characters and say, I'm, I'm moving forward. There's going to be people that are going to leave it. There's going to be people that are going to run a hybrid approach. So, um, boy, give this, uh, give this a couple months and things are going to get, uh, things are going to get even more interesting. So awesome. Good share. Thanks for sharing. All right. Until next time. Good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.